The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 169 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in this show are my own, not that of my present and past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence or privilege as a result of my current employment, and I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Last week, we had renowned global CISO and privacy officer, Dr. Rebecca Wynn, join me on episode number 168 of Task Force 7 Radio to provide insights on global trust the importance of well-being, and a recap of Privacy Month. Rebecca also discussed her perspective on communicating to boards, the importance of efficiency and ROI metrics, as well as the importance of focusing on making sure a hacker does not ride the rails of a third party into your network. All this and much, much more on episode 168 of Task Force 7 Radio. Hey, if you missed it, folks, don't sweat it. You can find us everywhere on Playback. That's a CISO's Insights on Global Trust on last week's episode. That's episode number 168 of Task Force 7 Radio. So we have another return guest for you tonight, good friend of mine. I'm excited to have him back on the show, Chief Security Architect Rich Wickersham. He's coming back to join me on. We're going to talk a lot tonight about cloud security, a little hit on solar winds. Rich is a seasoned security leader with 20 years of experience designing, implementing, and securing resilient architectures for private and public organizations. Wickersham is currently the chief security architect in the financial sector and has pre- previously held security leadership experience with AIG, Fannie Mae, the U.S. House of Representatives, and Department of Homeland Security. Rich has a passion for helping organizations embrace new technologies and is recognized as an expert in cloud security, threat intelligence, and data security. Rich has been recognized as a contributor and speaker in the security research community and has created frameworks, processes, white papers, and briefings to advance the community, protect the public and private sectors from our adversaries. It's my pleasure to introduce Chief Security Architect, my buddy, Rich Wickersham. Rich, welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, buddy. Hey, Andy. Thanks again for having me on. Um, Really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to discussing uh, the meat and potatoes of my job in some yeah, ways man. in cloud security. Look, architecture is a really big deal, right? Especially when you start to take talk companies move into the cloud, you know, when you start talking cloud security, like kind of break that down for me. Like what is it in, from your view and like what, what, how do you approach that move? So for cloud security, I think of it and the definition I would give would be the policies, architecture, controls, and services that enable business to innovate. We want to, as security professionals, we want to protect data and infrastructure against threats. So my approach is to achieve levels of maturity in that process because you can't be perfect at first. And we built and I brought a framework um, to multiple organizations that we apply, test, enhance, and then ultimately automate. Automation and allowing business agility um, will, will result in the achievement of your goals. And the security goals are the business goals. The business doesn't want to suffer an event. And as a security professional, you don't want them to. Uh, That's why applying a framework at the beginning of the journey will lead to repeatable processes, patterns, and ultimately 
definitely specifications um, that will allow you to have the discipline to do the same thing multiple times. Repetition is another key element of security and security architecture. Figure out how to do something the right way, continually do it the right way and automate it along the journey. Yeah, I mean, that's really key, right? I mean, that governance on top of it, right? Setting the stage for moving to the cloud the right way um, and getting everything you need out of it is is really critical. So if you were, you know, walk me through how you would take a company through the cloud. Like we've decided to go, we're ready to go. All right, walk me through what, what that approach looks like. So if you were from an IS perspective, you're moving to AWS, you're moving to Azure, you're moving out of a traditional data center. Before you have an application there, you know that there are core services that you're going to need. And these core services are the same services you'll utilize to consume SaaS. And and any company that's making a movement toward AWS or Azure, they already have a significant SaaS footprint because that's how business is done today. So the approach is going to be similar. Um, One of the key areas that you're gonna wanna focus on is how do I federate my user access? How do I control my privileged accounts? Um, data in motion, you're in transit security, your data at rest, you're going to have core patterns that you need in your IS environment. Um, they will be needed no matter what. So you start there, you start with the foundation, um, and you build your processes around them. You have to always respect the fact that at the beginning, it's the most delicate time. People will be involved and they will make mistakes. You can deliver Um, cloud security at the foundational level, and you can build in guardrails. I think um, AWS reached a level of maturity with uh, SCPs and Azure has policies, basically deny policies that can be applied at the organizational level, at the subscription level, at the account level to prevent humans from making mistakes. So if you have the condition where you're new to the cloud, you know people will make mistakes, put the guardrails in at the infrastructure level and control the identity and access. Um, those are the key patterns that you need to start with. So what, what's the, you know, big, when you're at the beginning of the cloud journey, like what do you think is the biggest threat or that has the highest likelihood of manifesting itself? So the biggest threat is misconfiguration. Uh, I think we've seen this time and time again over the last decade. Um, AWS, Azure, whatever it may be, it's often an open blob storage, an open S3 bucket um, where somebody has landed some type of sensitive data and somehow they've managed to uh, configure a bucket policy, leaving data unencrypted to start with in that bucket and leaving it open to the internet for discovery for either a security researcher, an adversary, um, or hopefully a friendly to find it. And uh, this is, you know, I think it's 7% over the last two years of, of um, the, the big security events that have occurred in both AWS and Azure have been uh, just based on misconfiguration. So that's the area you need to focus on. You don't need to think about an adversary that's trying to get into your environment um, as much as you need to think about the, the opportunistic um, mistakes that can be made and taken advantage of. It's the simple stuff that gets you where you need to be. Nice. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you know, so, I mean, look, you've, you've taken a few companies now to the cloud. Where, you know, where did you see success? Where did you see failure? So I like to focus in on the success elements as well. Uh, and, and primarily on the, on the successes. 
But where I've seen the most success is, is working with the business and understanding a problem that they need to solve. And if you can find a problem as a technologist and you can solve it in a better, cheaper, more efficient, and more secure way, and you can, you can do things more securely moving to the cloud, that's the ideal scenario. And one of the other success vectors that I've seen is, I call it getting small in order to get big. Um, it will provide you an opportunity for success and an opportunity to build your controls and your structure around that success to allow you to get there. Um, if you have a small, in, you know, internally consumed app that you want to you want to migrate or create and develop and initially in, in AWS or Azure, you know that you can lock that down to the internet. You don't have the need for a DMZ. It'll be simple. Um, you can work through your core patterns and there'll be less of them to complete. Um, you can deliver an archetype specification again to this, this governance and repetition. Um, it, it, will be, it will be simpler if you take a small approach. If you take the approach of bringing your entire data center right at once without creating these reference architectures, your, your, the amount of work that you need to do is much, much higher. The level of effort is much higher. And the other thing that I, I always advise is to not bring your most sensitive data first. You know, you don't need to bring your PCI or your, or your PII data about your customers into the cloud first. You can start small and then you can get big because you can afford to make more mistakes or you can make minor mistakes when you take the small approach. And you can really refine your, all of your operational processes. If you've built right. your operational and your security policies, you know, as you know, around uh, around an on-prem infrastructure, then the paradigm is going to be much different. And the way you monitor it and and the services that you deliver to your customers are, are going to need refinement. Minimize the risk too, right? I mean, I think at that point, you really start to play a, a strong risk management function through the process. I think that's a really, um, where have you seen that successful, you know, kind of factoring in the risk into this versus just everybody wanting to boil the ocean and say, let's just go throw it all in the cloud. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think from a risk management process, um, you know, the first is to, the first step, again, you build the foundation, then you're going to evaluate an app or a business case you're going to solve for. Um, and, and you're going to build your governance. Of course, you'll have a governance framework um, existing in your company. You'll just, you'll just translate it into cloud. So if I have data that, that is moving, I'm going to look at uh, you know, how I'm going to transition that data to the new environment, how I'm going to encrypt it before I land it there, how I'm going to operationalize it. Um, and this is true of an application or the data that you're landing in a cloud environment. Um, I always want, I want to adjust processes to fit the target environment. And there, there'll be slight tweaks, but no matter what cloud you're moving to, um, the process remains the same. And the process should be more or less the same, um, depending on what you're doing. And then again, you break out patterns, you break out specifications for those specific use cases. You want to have as much, you, you want to have as much duplication of process as you can, and uh, and you tailor it for the cloud environments. And I cannot wait. I got, we got to take a quick break, brother. But I, I definitely want to dive into. Um, you know, red teaming is part of your approach and really want to hit on, you know, kind of 
making sure like what you see for mature companies in this space, you know, as they play it out. But so, Hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF seven radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram at searching at TF seven radio. You'll be connected to the extended TF seven family on your favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's with the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, then we'll be right back with Chief Security Architect Rich Wickersham. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with special guest and return visitor to the Task Force 7 family, 
Chief Security Architect, Rich Wickersham. Rich, cloud security, man, like, like it just doesn't get any better. Like everyone's there. We got to do it. Pandemic, you know, forced, you know, if people were, were on the fence about it, they, they were forced into it for some reasons, right? So I'd love to get your take on, you know, if you had a, a high level of maturity for security monitoring on-prem in the traditional data center, like how would you approach your first cloud journey differently? So as you know, Andy, I like to use threat modeling and I think you're gonna adjust your threat models toward misconfiguration at the beginning of the journey. Misconfiguration is your greatest enemy. A single mistake inside your data center, you've got your entire stack to protect you. A single mistake in the cloud, and actually may take a couple of mistakes to achieve this, but um, you can expose a credential, an API, a resource, a host directly to the internet. So you should threat model these and detail all these threats and rank them. Um, this ranking should be done multiple times as you hit levels of maturity. If you're building out your core, your, uh, the controls that you need no matter what, devoid of any applications, test, make sure you can see a misconfiguration. You know, a very, you know, a very basic um, example of that, again, maybe S3, it might be uh, blob storage. If somebody can create a resource that is open to the internet, then your guardrails failed. So you've got to test misconfigurations to make sure that your controls work. Um, when you bring in an application that's um, internal facing, make sure that it is in fact internal facing. You know, go through the, you know, at a very basic level that, that can be part of it. But I think you, you reach a level of maturity along the way. Um, and you've got to focus in on those foundational patterns to get there. So, so, and, so what's, and, what's sorry, I'll, there, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, continue, finish your thought, man, go for it. All right, so from a monitoring perspective, again, I think you're going to be looking for those misconfigurations and AWS gives you AWS config as you're, you're building out. You'll bring in third-party tools to detect misconfigurations too. You're going to be looking for these misconfigurations. Um, your cert's going to be looking for them. You're gonna to wanna to trigger the highest level alert when some of these things happen, if they happen, and you haven't built your DevSecOps processes to, to work against them. I, I mean, I, I can't impress enough that just how important it is to look for misconfigurations because of what you'll end up with if you, if you don't have them. So, so how a part, how much is red teaming then a part of this approach? So from, from my team's perspective, uh, everyone that works for me that is an architect has the mentality of a red teamer. They will work to deliver a control. And I think I gave that example of testing something to make sure that the control is actually in place. And we'll work with the monitoring teams to make sure that we can actually detect that misconfiguration or that event. Um, if you build a guardrail, you, you wanna make sure that the guardrail actually works. If you have the, the money and the resources available to you, and this will depend on the organization, you may bring in a third party to red team against your infrastructure, to red team against an archetype of an application so that you have validated that, that the way you're going to build your architecture around that application actually works. Um, you know, I think it's an iterative process and, and you may 
you may bring in third parties at the end to do some of this testing, but you should have the ability to test it yourselves. I'm always a, a proponent of trying to break something in order to make sure that it works. Um, and if you're going to build something, you have to understand how to break it in order to build it effectively. Man, I got to tell you, like watching the Super Bowl last night, I mean, that that's I mean, spot on, right? I mean, you think about the Bucks defense and how they broke the Chiefs' will, <laughs> right? And everyone's talking about how they're going to come out of this and get better, you know, and use it as fuel to get better. I mean, that was just amazing. But, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, you're, you're spot on with this. So, so let's, let's get back to reality here in the cloud. But, you know, as I digress from the Super Bowl, uh, you know, last night. But, um, look, man, what's your thoughts on cloud-native security monitoring tools available in, like, AWS or Azure yeah, this is an important designation that anyone moving to the cloud needs to think about. Um, there will be unique visibility that is provided, particularly in the first phases of a move into AWS or Azure, and even in some cases with, with a SaaS environment that you're gonna to wanna to rely on the native tools. The native tools will both give you the context of if I have logs and I've gotten them into my SIM, Am I seeing the same event that the native tool is seeing? If I'm using AWS, AWS has guard duty and I've seen that used effectively in multiple organizations, both initially as, as a, you could think of it as a SIM within AWS, but also as a point of reference. And it's something that you can feed events again into your own SIM to monitor for, but both as a reference point and directly as something that you wanna view. I think Azure Security Center, guard duty, uh, things like Shield that Salesforce provides to give you a, a very distinct event monitoring and security view. These tools can stand on their own, but they need to be deployed as part of a strategy. And they're really critical in the first phase of, phase of your cloud journey. Because again, you want to make sure that you're seeing everything and the, the, the security tools that are often the best at evaluating environment. Um, and this is, again, points to AWS and Azure security model, they want you to consume their tools. And uh, if you're not going to consume them, you're going to have a lot of work to do. And you want to avoid extra work to build your ability to detect in the beginning. Um, seen many, many use cases in this, this area and uh, the, the reasons to move toward it and, and to utilize it as part of your strategy. And I know, you know, I've been on the other side, the operational side too. And, you know, we want to consume a single pane of of glass and you can get there, but you can't get there immediately. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into that for a second. Cause I think that's an important topic, right? I mean, like, you know, is it better, you know, like I know ultimately you'd want to have, you know, streamline and be most efficient with your SOC analysts in terms of one place to go, everything's consolidated and, and automated, et cetera. Right. But I mean, do we, do we spend more too much time trying to make that perfection happen as opposed to, you know, the swivel chair, go to each console, you know, like, are, are we, are we over-engineering it, you know, and missing too many things because we're trying to get too perfect and too streamlined or, you know, do you think you can, we can, we should be able to get there. Um, companies should be able to get there, you know, fairly quickly. You know, I think it will always be in the business interest of AWS, Azure, GCP to have you consume their tools and pay for them. This will be an add-on service and part of their business model. And they will have unique visibility into their environments. They'll have a grid view of everything that's in Azure. 
um, all of the access, you know, and, and I think the, the intelligence and the fabric that, that's coming from the entire cloud footprint, what looks unusual in AWS to you as a customer may be unusual to someone else. And it may be something they've seen that is an indicator of, a, of an, an attack. So you will always be consuming those, those native services. And I think that, you know, as we, as any organization hits, maturity or anyone plans for it, that you should be able to, again, consume that data and consume those events. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's a simple way to go after it. And um, if you're, you're going to use AWS or Azure as your primary data center, and you're not going to be in a hybrid cloud, in a target state, you may go with their monitoring. It may be enough with, um, it may not be, but it, but it might be enough. It, it, but it's, in a hybrid architecture, I think you've got to look at both. And I think you can't assume that you're going to be looking at, at one screen, one pane of glass, at least initially. Yeah. Uh, and and you'll, you'll be taking on too much risk if you make that assumption. Yeah, fair. So, so for most corporations, SaaS is the largest part of their cloud footprint. So, like, how are you, you know, approaching SaaS and SaaS security? Yeah, I think to say it's the largest part is is even understating it. I think unrealized to to some, you know, the SaaS footprint may be you may have hundreds of them, you may have thousands of them in a mid even a mid sized company. Um, so it's of the utmost importance to establish repeatable processes to evaluate the capability of the SaaS to meet your requirements. And the best way to, to, to start is to start with procurement before you make a pur purchasing decision. If, it ha if the product has the capability of meeting your requirements, um, it supports single sign-on, federation for user consumption, vaulting of credentials, things of that nature and you know it's a fit. And if it doesn't, it tells you something else too. It tells you that the product's not mature. It's another kick out criteria that can actually help the business prevent the security criteria can help the business to avoid a bad decision. Um, of course, in the later phases, if you evaluate the capability, you need to make sure that the product is implemented correctly into your stack. And it follows your integration patterns. And you know, to that end, I've, I've worked with companies to build SaaS playbooks, um, and, and the criteria to bring in a SaaS and then do it in the same way. It's all about the discipline of repetition and a lot of focus around um, identity and access management. I think that, that those are the areas you want to focus on first. So, yeah, so, so, so tease that out a little bit. Like, what would give me a threat that you would model? Like, how would you do it you know, as part of your SaaS framework? So as part of the SaaS framework, um, let's let's take a journey, and we could. Yeah, I won't. I won't select the name of the SaaS, but if you're if the business came to me today and said, Rich, we've got a new SaaS that we want to bring on board, um, and and I had a conversation with that vendor, I reviewed their documentation. I think you're going to find there's one one thing that I always look for first, and that's a root or an integration account. Same thing as a root account in AWS um, or a subscription owner in, in Azure, for example. The account that, that sets everything up, uh, if it's there, are we applying multi-factor authentication immediately to it? Um, does it have the ability to support native multi-factor authentication? Can we uh, disable the account entirely, the root account entirely, once we've started the process to, to um, harden the environment and bring our data into it? 
I think this is like, this is the first threat and the first attack surface that you need to engage. And also, if you look at back at your, at your entire footprint and everything that may have gone, gone into the cloud previously, or is there anything like an integration account or a root account that might be out there to bite me later? So you come in and you apply that framework in that way. And the, and the threat of, uh, of a root account that is very easy to model is, of course, the deletion of your data, cutting off your access to that data, um, allowing access to the data that's sitting in the platform and, and breaking all of your, your controls that you put in place for your model. So that's, that's a pretty simple threat model, but everybody understands root accounts. So it's a good one to uh, right. draw out for the audience. So what other technologies do you use to monitor SAS? So SAS is, is, an, is interesting and not all SAS will support the hooks that are necessary um, to bring logs into your, um, into your SIM, for example. And I, I think for these type of use cases, we look at a CASB um, and, and a CASB cloud access security broker is one one methodology, um, and there may be native model uh, monitoring as well. You know, I think I think I mentioned previously uh, Salesforce Shield. Sometimes a SaaS will sell unique monitoring capability. Again, it's an upsell for them, but it's something that that we like to see actually because it it shows the level of granularity and 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 review, and also that they understand highly regulated clients that that um, delivering a monitoring capability can help them uh, to achieve their, their, their goals, which will allow the, uh, the, the use of the, the platform and data. But in the CASB area, um, there's, there's many different types of, of deployments for CASB. You can deploy the CASB as a proxy. Uh, that's between your users uh, and the trusted network. Um, they're federating access and consuming. They may have the ability to push data in and out and maybe application-based data as well. Uh, but you can control and you can deliver some level of DLP controls. But the, the area that I'm always most concerned with in, in terms of a SaaS group is the SaaS that can allow the sharing of data externally. That can be via an API, via a user, or the provisioning of a user directly into the platform. And for those events, uh, API hooks um, by way of a CASB into those environments to block their perimeter or the CASB or the SAS perimeter from allowing the sharing of data. Um, if you have an instance of a SAS, it has your secure data in it. You only want to consume it from on-prem. You do not want it to leave. And uh, there, there are many threats or ways to chain events together that could allow that data to leave. And it, again, it would, it would, the CASBs really guard against these use cases, these core security use cases. And you want to eventually, you want to detect first and block later. You don't want to break your business initially. So that's the methodology I would typically take with a CASB. Yeah, so, so, so let me, look, you, you know, world-class architect, you run red teams, right? You, you presented at DEF CON, like how do you apply that? How's this background been, you know, helped you with form your approach to the cloud? Yeah, so I always, when as an architect, I ask uh, always the question of who has access and to what. And this could be programmatic or machine creds. This is also human-based access um, or human creds. 
And you want to build threat models against access first. That's, that's where it all starts. That's the story of how you compromise an environment. Um, and I, as you know, from my previous spot on the show, I always look at humans as the means to an end. So I think from an using OSINT uh, to determine who would have the creds or who would have the access um, and performing reconnaissance, you know, I think are, are two really important areas because you want to find your attack surface, be it from a person as a means to an end or from a mistake that was made and the GitHub uh, credentials being stored in plain text, creden credentials and code repositories, um, developers making uh, mistakes or not following patterns. You build your patterns around those, those use cases. And, uh, you know, I think I've also, you know, in that I love uh, applying creative controls using things like canary creds and deception to to throw off adversaries. But the reality is that you never want to focus on uh, the cool stuff until you've you've accomplished the basics and done them really well. And you have to um, build in the correct processes to prevent those basic failures from occurring. You know, vaulting mm -hmm. of credentials and really, you know, you, you, you don't really need to be the red team um, if you build the right processes in, and, and you don't want to build countermeasures unless your processes are complete. So before we go to a break, man, I want to, I want to give, give me your greatest threats in the cloud. Well, so we're going to start with misconfigurations. And, and this is, again, the paradigm of monitoring and how it needs to, to change. Um, or should change for somebody that is moving to the cloud the first time. And the second is pre preventing credential theft. Um, if I'm a person that has access or I have a, an administrator that has access to a target cloud environment, um, I wanna control where that human is coming from. I wanna apply multi-factor authentication to their, uh, their authentication. Um, and third-party support. If you have a, a cloud service provider, an MSP, I want to know where they're coming from. I want to control it. I want to put them, in, give them multiple gates and the ability to detect a, something uh, a misuse, for example. APIs. Uh, you know, there will be lots of API connectivity in and out of cloud environments, and this is true of SaaS and and also in your your data centers in the cloud. Where did those um, APIs originate from? What does the inventory look like? What is the authentication method used? And if something isn't following an expected pattern, you need to be able to detect that signal and the noise. And if you turn the noise down, you'll see it. If you know what's supposed to be there, what is normal, you'll know when something is not normal and you'll, you'll catch it. I love it, man. All right, folks, we got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away. We'll be right back with more from Chief Security Architect, Rich Wickersham. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. 
with forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Synet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community, advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Synet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Synet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Synet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Chief Security Architect, Rich Wickersham. So, buddy, you know, solar winds is obviously top of mind for everybody. What are your thoughts on supply chain threats in the cloud and then the recent solar winds breach? Yeah, so solar winds was really interesting to me. And supply chain attacks are not new. You know, we've seen Cloudhopper in the last couple of years, and we've seen WannaCry, and, you know, the list goes on and on. But, you know, the, the area of SolarWinds that was most interesting to me um, was in the second phase and the methods that were employed to target several companies, I believe, including Microsoft. And this is the focus in on cloud resources, because, again, the data that the adversary is after, whether it's sitting in Office 365 or it's sitting in a native IS, and that's a SaaS environment, or a native IS environment, um, AWS or Azure, that's where the data is. So where do you go to get the ticket or, or where do you where are you granted access? And that's in, in a hybrid architecture. That's in your federation architecture to some degree. So... 
The Threat Actor and SolarWinds used Golden SAML, and I found this interesting because CyberArk published a paper on Golden SAML in 2017, and, and the listeners should give it a read because it could become highly relevant to, to them in their environments. Um, and this, again, this allowed the forging of access tokens to gain and maintain access to cloud resources. If you're an adversary or a red teamer, that's what you want to do. And it's likely that the solar winds actors use some other techniques involving data re relationships with cloud service providers. And this is an attack surface that maybe not everyone is thinking about, but they should. And I'll give you, give you a parallel in industry. Um, in 2013-2014, I remember going to DEF CON and, and coming back and, and thinking about Mimikatz and uh, golden ticket scenarios against AD and then you know, shortly or for years after that, first we saw the APT actors targeting AD in this way, trying to get a golden ticket, a silver ticket, or perform a pass that hash attack. And then uh, we saw first the APT actors doing this and using these techniques. And then we saw everyone do it. And it took a little bit of time, but the time for adversaries to innovate, to accomplish their objectives has, has shortened dramatically. So if we saw, um, you know, a state-sponsored adversary using this technique uh, and using golden SAML and targeting cloud infrastructure in this way, it's about to go off like a bomb. I mean, it's, it's going to be the next big thing or it is the next big thing. And I think CISA recognized this and very quickly um, provided scripts and guidance, as did CrowdStrike, that organizations should use, even if they weren't impacted by SolarWinds. Think about it from a hygiene perspective. Look at your ADFS, your single sign-on architecture, and know that the adversaries will always target the weakest link. If you have a CSP uh, or an MSP with, with rights to your environment or delegated rights, or maybe something that you missed, these scripts can help you to, to pull through and find some of this. You're not digging for it yourself. And you're only as strong as your weakest link. And you do not want to leave your controls on the back of another environment, another organization that is outside of your own. So you've got to understand those delegated permissions and those relationships. You've got yeah, and it's becoming so much more prevalent, right? I mean, it's just insane how much dependencies there are, right? And and so so how do you then modify your threat models to prevent the cloud supply chain risk? So I think, you know, back to our earlier point, I start with procurement. If we are procuring a new technology, it could be a SaaS, it could be infrastructure, um, it, it could be any number of things. We want to make sure that the software reseller, we're going to ask the, from a threat modeling question, will that paradigm result in, uh, in the need for access to our environment by a third party? Um, at, at a service provider level, which is going to assume privileged access um, to support the SaaS, to support the infrastructure, and, and do they protect themselves adequately? Can we remove or control their access in a way that we're not breached if they are? Do we know, do we understand our attack surface fully? And we need to, we need to, before, before we move, we need to understand what the potential attack surface will be. The common denominator is identity and you're seeing it more and more. Identity is the perimeter by which we need to protect all of our resources. And in a hybrid cloud architecture, a native cloud architecture, um, you may believe you're on-prem, but you, know, you obviously, any company will have a large SaaS footprint. Um, you've got to use identity to achieve the, the necessary controls. And, and that's, 
the key to supply chain risk as well. So, look, man, you you lead teams, you consult to folks, you, you know, you're all over the place. Like, how do you prepare teams to take on all the new services and infrastructure? Um, yeah, I think the equation, the processes and technology we went over, the third element is people. When you move to the cloud, you're changing your technology paradigm and you must invest in your people. You've got to train them or you have to bring in new talent to supplement them. Um, I have been a proponent of creating dedicated, focused cloud teams to build a different skill set, you know, and really infused in that DevSecOps mind, mindset. Um, and I'm not in favor of just bringing in third parties to do everything if you plan to take ownership of it later. Because if you don't get your legs under you and understand how a native service works natively in the console versus how I'm consuming it and, and looking at it in, uh, in my SIM through a view, you're not gonna be successful and it won't transition well and it will lead to risk. So you've got to invest in people and you've got to have a plan. And that needs to be a key part of your plan in the beginning. Um, it's going to lead to secure clouds. It's going to lead to good execution. It's going to lead to good processes and, uh, and, and business success ultimately, because you need to have security delivered in an agile manner. And you've got to partner with the business to be successful and, and building your people the right way are a key element. Look, I always, we always say, man, talent, your people is your number one operating priority, right? You got to get yeah. that pe the people thing right. Well, Rich, I really appreciate you coming back on the show, buddy. Glad to be on. Um, I can be reached uh, at Rich Wickersham. And the last thing I'll mention is that, as always, my views are my own. They don't reflect the views of my current uh, or, or prior employers. And uh, it's really, really great to be with you. Thank you. Awesome, brother. All right, folks, it's time for us to bounce up and out of here. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.